0: But anyway, it's always good to be back, always good to be with y'all, of course be with family. And uh, thank God for this place and the many years that God allowed me to be here and uh, be church family here. And so thank God for each of y'all. Now, if you've got your Bibles, open them up to 1 Kings chapter number 13. The title of this message is All in Obedience. Now, while you're turning there, before I ask you to stand for the reading of the Word of God, can I, I want to share um, some graduate level Christianity with you. I saw this video and I thought, man, that guy nailed it. He said, um, what do, as a parent, do you prefer, do you, do you want obedience from your children? Or as a child, what should you do to your parents? Should you honor or obey them? Because obviously when God said honor and obey, there's a difference. Obedience is to a direct command. Honor is without being commanded. In other words, uh, I'll I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, I am blessed when I go to my children and say, hey, I need you to clean up the kitchen or clean up this. And they say, yes, sir, and go right to it. It's a blessing. But last week, because... You know, when a pastor goes out of town, he still has to have sermons ready for when he gets back, or else he'll be pulling an all-nighter. So I was studying, and uh, I hear commotion in the kitchen. Ashley was out doing some Christmas stuff, and I was I heard commotion in the kitchen, and I look in there, and Madeline is in there cleaning the kitchen up without being told. That's a bigger blessing to me as a father, and I felt honored by her obedience to a command that I never gave. Now, what do you think God prefers? Does God prefer to always have to command us or does he p- prefer for us to do what we're supposed to do because he has already told us what to do? And so may we live our lives in a way where we're bringing honor to our father. But that starts with obedience in all things, even if it doesn't make sense. 1 Kings chapter 13, verse number 11. If you're able, stand with me for the reading of the word of God. 1 <coughs> Kings chapter 13, starting in verse number 11, it says, Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken unto the king, they told, him also, told them also to their father. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen that, he had, that the man of God went, uh, seen the way that the man of God had went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So he saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak, and said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me, By the word of the Lord, thou shalt not Uh, I shall eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way thou camest. He said unto him, I am a prophet also, as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. Father, I pray that you'd bless now as we look to your word. I pray that you would help me to help somebody this this evening. Lord, you are worthy of all we could ever give and more. And I do ask you to forgive me for the, the times that I am disobedient to you. And I pray that you'd help us to be obedient, but not just obedient, help us to honor you by living our lives in a way where we don't need to be told what to do because you really already told us anyway. Help us to honor and obey you May everything that's done in this service bring honor and glory to you. Father, I thank you for the songs that we heard, and I know that brought, that was pleasing to you, and it was a sweet smell to you in heaven. And I pray that, that the preaching of your word, that I'd be obedient to you and say what you'd have said, and that as the Holy Spirit of God speaks to our hearts, that we would all be obedient to the Holy Spirit of God right. and obey and, 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 and do whatever it is you prompt us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Now we notice here in this passage, if you go to the chapter before, we see in 1 Kings chapter 12, starting in verse number 32, that there was a task assigned to this prophet. And, uh, and th- what it was, was he was going to go talk to Jeroboam about his, the wickedness of Jeroboam. And in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 32, it says, Jeroboam o- ordained a feast in the eighth month and the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah, and, o- and he offered upon the altar so did he in Bethel sacrificing unto the calves that he had made and he placed in Bethel the priests in the high places which had which he had made so he's he's worshiping all these false gods and offering sacrifices to cows and uh, you know what the best way to offer a sacrifice to a cow is to cut cut it up throw it on a grill and eat it especially in ribeye form that's how you honor a cow in my opinion Um, You don't make a golden statue because you can't eat gold. So just keep it as it is and eat it up. Hallelujah. Verse number 33, it says, So he offered upon the altar, which he had made in... Now, notice I keep saying which he had made, which he had made. This was intentional. This was deliberate. In Bethel, the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised of his own heart and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel... And he offered upon the altar and, and burnt incense. I want you to notice that phrase real quickly because we're going to talk about this here in a little bit. But I want you to notice it said, uh, which he had devised of his own heart. Too many Christians are devising things of their own heart. And so Jeroboam was devising things of his own heart and God had enough of it. Uh, and God sent this prophet, this young prophet, to go and warn Jeroboam about what's to come. And to tell him, hey, look, man, we don't do this. This is not what you should be doing as the leader of God's country, God's people, Judah. And uh, so he goes to him and he warns him. And we see that warning now picking up in the chapter where we're at in 1 Kings chapter 13. And verse number 1, the Bible says, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah, by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the, the altar to burn incense. So he's about ready to worship his false god and burn incense unto it. And he says, And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord, and said, Altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that, that burnt incense thereupon uh, upon thee and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And then he goes on to warn him about what's to come. He says, look, the altar is going to be rent. The ashes of the incense are going to be poured out. They're going to be wasted. They're going to be, it's going to be just thrown out. And, then it's, and, it, and he gives him some proof of it, because as he's given him this prophecy, it says the man's hand withers, Jeroboam's hand withers, and then it is restored to its natural state. I don't think you can get any more clear than that. If somebody came to me and said, I got a message from the Lord, and it's this, 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 and this, and by the way, my hand starts shriveling up, and then he says, okay, let it go back to normal, and it went back to normal, I'd say, you know, I think you probably did hear from God today. Yeah. But you know, the truth of the matter is, as born-again children of God, we don't need the withered hand, because we've got the Word of God. Yeah. We don't need the withered hand, because we're not just uh, in tune with God or have a relationship with God. We are indwelt by God. God dwells within us, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us as we read the Word of God, which feeds us spiritually. We we read the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit of God backs up the Word of God by teaching us what He means and what He's saying and and sharing with us the truth of the Word of God. And so we're able to to learn what He would have us to do. We're able to learn doctrine, which is, uh, we heard about this just this morning in uh, the the morning service in in Kansas. We we hear doctrine, which is uh, what is right, and then reproof what is wrong, and then instruction on how to uh, do right, instruction in righteousness, uh, and correction on how not to do wrong anymore, and instruction on how to keep doing right. And God has given us all these things, all these tools. And I tell you what, when I read the Old Testament, one of the most convicting parts about the Old Testament is that I read that and I think, man, and these people were this dedicated, this in love with God, this obedient to God, and following Him in every every way and in dangerous situations and in dangerous circumstances, and they didn't even have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit like I do. So I read about David and his love for God, and he doesn't have the indwelling like I have. He didn't have a whole copy of the Word of God like we have. I read about Moses and I read about Daniel. I'm doing a series on Wednesday nights in our church about Daniel. And the more you study the book of Daniel, you see all the prophecy in there. Yes, I get that. But man, you're amazed at the obedience of Daniel. And, his, and his, he was willing to risk his life over dietary law. We're not even willing to pass up on a piece of pie. Two weeks after the New Year. So the prophet comes and he gives the message and he delivers the message to the king and he's about to head back and we see here now where God's word has been given. As God does, he gave his servant specific instructions. Now listen, we have this mentality in Christianity that the only people that have specific jobs or specific instructions from God are the ones that are in the full-time ministry. That's hogwash. That's ridiculous. Well, oh, there's a cable there. Uh, that's, that's crazy. Everybody created by God has a purpose of some sort whether it's to serve in the church in some way, to serve your neighbors, to serve the community, and to reach the people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we all have that calling in our lives, and we all have specific jobs that we are supposed to do. I tell my church all the time, if there's not a job that depends on you that you have to have somebody fill when you're gone, then you need to find one so you can be totally right with God as much as possible. Everybody ought to have something that you're doing for the Lord that you are the one that's dependent upon to do it. It doesn't have to be big doesn't have to be major. You could be the one that nobody even knows goes around and picks up a little piece of the paper laying around that you notice at the end of the service. we got a man in the church who makes sure every one of the microphones has uh, new batteries in them. Nobody knows he does that, but he does it every, every week, and there's fresh batteries in there. There's just little things that you can do. It's just saying, you know, it's saying, Lord, I just want to do something for you. Can I do something to be a blessing to the ministry, to be a blessing to the man of God, to be a blessing to the church people? Can I do something that will please you, Lord, whatever it may be? And he may just tell you, yeah, pick up the trash in the parking lot. Okay, then I'll do it. We all have something that we are to be to do. And then so this man of God is given the message he sent And we'll look in 1 Kings chapter 13, starting at verse number 7. It says, And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. Now this is pretty enticing right here. The king said, Come home with me. Come to my house. That's the place you want to go. I mean, for the most part, I would like to go to the White House. Not in the last three years, but... I would like to go to the White House, that'd be a pretty cool place to go. Can you imagine delivering a message to the kings, the princes of Saudi Arabia, and they say, hey, come back to my house? You're thinking right away, man, I might be getting something pretty good here. And then he says, uh, and refresh thyself, so man, I'm going to get some good food. In America speak, that's, that's uh, ribeye steak and, uh, and baked potatoes and all the trimmings and then, and then ice cream to follow, all of it, zero calories and all that kind of great stuff. And, uh, and he says, and refresh thyself. And then he says, and I will give thee a reward. You know what's crazy? He says, man, I'm going to lavish this all on you, but I'm not going to obey it. <laughs> Why would I obey it anyway, right? He just goes on to continue and he gets punished for it eventually. But anyway, let's keep on here. In verse number eight, it says, And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place, for so, it, so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, now pause for just a second. There are so many things in this book that were charged me, charged you by the word of the Lord. God himself says this. There is in America an epidemic, a pandemic of people wanting to go left on Christianity. Christianity. You know why we stand where we stand? Because he told us to. I tell my church, I stand where God tells me to stand. I dress how God tells me to dress. I listen to what God tells me to listen to. I don't go to a church that plays rock and roll music for Jesus because I don't believe the the music of Jesus should sound like the music of the world. All those different things and all those different stands that we take. But it's getting very popular for people to go that way. And we're going to see in a little bit why why that's so popular. But here he said, uh, for so it was charged me by the word of the Lord. You want to have a better 24 than you did 23? Make a decision to obey God even when it doesn't make sense. Because it doesn't always make sense. There's a lot of things in the Word of God that sometimes I read and I think, Lord, I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense. Some of the things he said to punish people for in the Old Testament, I'm like, seriously, Lord, that's pretty rough. But you said it, so you're right and I'm wrong, and that's the great way to do it. Do you understand why? No, I don't. But he said so. That settles it, right? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Nah, God said it, that settles it whether you believe it or not. Whether you understand it or not. Because God's on a level we're not on. Someday we're going to get to heaven and we're going to be like, well duh, no wonder. A wife has a hard time submitting to her husband, she's going to get to heaven and be like, oh, well, I see why you wanted that. A husband having a hard time loving his wife as Christ loved the church, you get to heaven and you're going to be like, I see why you wanted it that way. Everything is going to make sense up there. It doesn't have to make sense down here, but we do have to obey it. Everybody's going that direction. Everybody's changing. Everybody's doing, okay, everybody can change. They can go right ahead, but I'd rather stick where the Bible tells me to stand. I'd rather stand where God tells me to stand because that's where he'll be. And obedience here, and he says, charge me by the word of the Lord saying, eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way thou camest. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came. So here he is obeying in a situation where uh, he's saying, God told me to do this, so I'm going to do what God told me, even though he could have had some pretty amazing things here, some pretty amazing gifts and some pretty amazing treats, and and what a great meal he could have had, and who knows how much money he could have walked away with, and he said, no, I'm going to obey God, and he left. He didn't eat any bread, he didn't drink any water, he just left. And he went back a different way than he came. Now, why do people go left? Why do people veer away from scriptures? You know the Bible says before the Lord returns there's going to be a great falling away, right? You can't fall away to that, from that which you've never been a part of. So it's talking about Christians. I've heard people say, yeah, you know, just a whole bunch of lost people are just going to fall away. They, they're not there. Look, right now as it stands, I'm the only person that can fall off this platform. Because you ain't up here. You following me? I can't stand up here and tell you, don't, watch out, don't fall off the platform. You'd be like, we're on the floor here. But I can. You can't fall away unless you've been a Christian. Why are people falling away? Why are people going, going liberal, as they say? Why are people changing? Why are people dropping stands? Why are people compromising and all those kinds of things? And, you, you know, I, I could get in depth in all the reasons and all the things, that, they're, but I'll leave that to your pastor. But I'm just going to tell you where we should stand as Christians. Because what happens is a message of deceit comes. And that's the, context, the, the text that we read. We live in a world full of lies and deceit. Many people say things that God has never said. You ever heard people say, well, listen to your heart. God says to listen to your heart. No, God says your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God says to be true to yourself. No, God, Jesus said to deny thyself, take up thy cross and follow him. Deny yourself does not go with being true to yourself. Believe in yourself. Jesus said, he that believeth in me, we are to believe in Jesus, not in ourselves. I was just talking to somebody recently and I told him, I said, I am not, I am, I never, never should be and hopefully never will be 100% Nick Dignan. Because I can't trust myself. You know why we have these standards of Christian living that we have? Not because we're better than anybody, but because we don't trust ourselves. If a person has a problem with alcohol, he probably should not go into the bar to witness to people we don't trust ourselves. We set up these these things to protect ourselves. We didn't just set them up, God did. To protect us, you ready for this? From yourself. Most Christians today don't even really need to be protected from the devil. The devil's like, no, they're taking care of themselves just fine. Obedience is where it comes to. So people will tell you uh, to believe in yourself, but we're to believe in Christ. People tell you, tell you, hey, God just wants you to live your truth. What? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So there's only one truth. It's his. I don't have a truth, and you don't have a truth. I heard a conservative commentary person say, um, well, I, that's just my truth. There is no my truth. There's only truth. You following me? If you and I disagree on something, one of us is wrong or we're both wrong. But we can't disagree on something and both be right. You following me? The word of God is truth. People say, hey, if you're happy, that's all that matters. Oh, God just wants you to be happy. But Jesus actually said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What are you saying? What I'm I'm trying to tell you is, the world will come to you, the devil will come to you, and they'll tell you things that, that you want to hear, tell you things that make it easier to get along in this life, make it easier to get along with this world, and may even make sense, may even make sense to our flesh, and we may look at that and say, you know, I, I can't argue with that. I mean, stop and think about it. <clears throat> if, you're not, if you don't believe scriptures and the word of God, it um, doesn't sound bad to say if you're happy, that's all that matters. Well, yeah, I mean, don't we want people to be happy? But happy is temporary. Church, we want people to have joy. You know where joy comes from? Obedience. The great thing about God is that the things that you don't want to do make a better you. People want you to say, no, do the things that you want to do because it'll make you happy. But if you do what you don't want to do, but you do what God wants you to do, which your flesh doesn't always want to do what, you want, what God wants you to do, but if you'll do it anyway, <laughs> that's what makes you have joy. That's what makes you happy. Where does that come in? It comes in from all, all in obedience. Making a decision, not on January and tomorrow morning, making a decision in 2024, I'm going to obey Jesus more. No, it's making it multiple times a day every day for the rest of your life. The devil comes along and tempts you. You got to say, I'm going I'm to obey the Lord. I'm going to obey his word. What does it say in here? That's what I'm going to do. Is it easy? No. Will people make fun of you? Of course. Will people try to pull you over to their side? Of course. They want validation. But when it comes down to it, who said to search the scriptures? The Lord. Who said to study to show thyself approved unto God? The Lord. So study the book. There are Christians out there that say, look, if you don't read the Bible, that's okay, God understands, but read just read some kind of Christian book. The devil doesn't care what you do as long as you don't do what God wants you to do. I'm, I'm gonna make a decision to be in church Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's a great decision. But the devil's gonna come along and say, eh, it's all right. You don't need to go every night. It's kind of chilly out tonight anyway. You might as well just stay home. The devil's always going to try to do contrary. Did we not see that in the very first few chapters of the Bible? That's why we have to make obedience our priority in our lives. The world, the flesh, the devil, they'll come to you and say salvation is through works or baptism or or church attendance and all those things. And you know what? Sometimes a born-again Christian can get a little bit doubtful and begin to wonder if they're really saved because our lives will never match up to what we would imagine a person would have to match up to to save themselves. So then we begin to think, well, how can I be saved and live this way? I can tell you how you can still be saved and live that way because he said once once you trust Christ as your Savior, it's eternal. So just believe the Word of God. Hey, just believe the Bible. Just believe the book. Just believe what God wrote. Just believe what God said. Just believe it. Because what happens when you don't is you're like this man, this this prophet who who is is confronted by an older prophet. In verse number 18 it says, and he said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And there's a lot of people out there, they'll say, hey, I'm a prophet as thou art. A lot of women preachers get on there and preach and say, hey, I'm a prophet as thou art. You can't be. It doesn't jive with scripture. But they say, I'm a prophet as thou art. I'm a prophet of the word of God. And then they say things that don't jive with scripture. Is it in the book? That's all that matters. Do you believe your preacher preaches the word of God straight and true? Yes or no? Yes or no? Hallelujah. Then man, do it. Don't do not don't do what he says. Do what the word of God says. Man, what a change in your life will be wrought through the belief and the trust in the word of God. And he says, oh, so I'm a prophet as, as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying. Now notice he said, an angel spake unto me. He didn't even really want to come right out and say the Lord. So in, in a sense, if he got confronted by God, God, he could say, no, the angel told me. Right? No, I, I didn't say you told me. I said you told the angel, you know, and my hands off, man, I'm all right. <laughs> He says, saying, bring him back with thee into thine, into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. Hey, church, this is how Christian living is. Somebody's going to come to you. They're going to tell you they're a prophet. Or they're going to tell you they're a Christian. Or they're going to tell you my pastor says, my pastor this, my pastor that. And they come to you with something that they say, and you think, whoa. Whoa. I don't remember ever hearing that at at my church. I don't remember ever seeing that in the scriptures. Let me see what the Bible says about that. Just like those things that we read earlier. Somebody comes to you and says, well, hey, uh, you know, you have to um, listen to your heart. Yeah, that's true. My heart tells me that I should do such and such. But the word of God says... That such and such is not what God would have me to do. And it says, my heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked, who can know it? In other words, what it's telling, the word of God is telling you and I, don't trust your heart. Just trust his word. Just trust this book. I would hope every single person in this room is gonna take a Bible reading schedule and read through your Bible. Uh, It's funny that he has the Bible reading schedule. The, The church in Kansas, their theme was, or the theme of the day was the word of God. And he's passing out Bible reading schedules He's got, like, all these different kinds of schedules you can follow that go in different orders and all kinds of stuff. And he was passing that out, and he said, can you imagine sitting there witnessing to a lost person? And they say, so have you ever read the Bible through? No. Every born-again Christian ought to read the Bible through once a year at least. The Bible says daily. We need this. How are you going to know somebody's lying to you? You know what this prophet should have said? He should have said, no, 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 hold on. In modern day terms, what you and I should do. Oh, so an angel came to you with the word of the Lord, but see what it says right there? God's words said such and such. What this young prophet should have said to that old prophet was, look, I want to respect you as an elder. And you say you're a man of God. Well, then thank you for serving my, my Lord. But I'm just going to keep doing what God told me to do until He tells me different, and then we see what happens to this young man. Hey, the devil wants you to believe his lies. He, he, he wants you so much to believe his lies that in 2 Corinthians chapter eleven, verse fourteen, it says, "And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light." The Bible says in John chapter eight, verse forty-four, it says, "Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father will ye do." He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth. Uh, because there, was, uh, there is in, no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Hey, don't trust anything the devil tells you. How do I know it's the devil telling me? Because it won't go with Scripture. But what he loves to do is make it this close. There are a lot of people that are going to die and go to hell because they believe a religion that is this close to the truth, but when it's this close to the truth, it's still a lie. A lot of people want to say, well, it was just a white lie. You think God looked down from heaven and says, oh, it's a white lie. You're good. There's no such thing as a white lie. It was this close, but you still die and go to hell. It was this close, but you still wind up in a mess when you disobey God and his word. The devil twists the truth, as we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now the serpent was more subtle, which means cunning and crafty, than any beast of the field. Which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He's going to twist the truth. That's why it's called twisting the truth, because it still looks like there's something to do with truth in there. But it's twisted. So we must resort to truth. You know the sweetest thing about truth? Is Jesus saith unto him in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know what's the sweet thing about truth? Truth is that it's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So the more you search truth, the more you're searching Jesus. And you can't go wrong searching Jesus. You know the great thing about Jesus is you may take a stand and somebody may mock you for standing for right and Jesus will pat you on the back and say, good job, proud of you. You did it right. And you may get mocked by your own Christians for standing and doing what's right. But Jesus will be right there to say, I'm proud of you. You just keep on doing what's right. You may stumble and fall. And Jesus will still be right there to pick you back up and say, let's go ahead and continue to try to do this right. You know why? Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's not just the way to heaven. He's the way to live. He's not just the truth that gets you to heaven. He's the truth of how you should live. And then, of course, he is the life. He is why you live. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. It's not always easy to do what you're supposed to do, but it's always a blessing. And man, he said, and the God of peace shall be with you. You know, one of the best examples I can th- probably think of in terms of standing for the truth of the word of God is, is if you stand for the King James Bible, you get mocked. It doesn't matter that Jesus Christ, in a sense, validated the King James Bible. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says word and italicized, which is, means the King James translators added that to make it make a little bit more sense. And then when Jesus is quoting it, he says word, and it's actually the word and not italicized. So he's validating even those, those italicized words that people say about the King James. But this is, where I, this is what I say about the whole thing. Would you not rather stand before God and God say, "How sweet of you. You really thought I could preserve my word flawless and infallible and perfect for 6,000 years? That's very sweet. I appreciate that. But I wasn't able to do that. Or would you rather God say, I don't understand why you didn't think I could preserve my word for 6,000 years. See, that's what obedience is. Obedience is, look, the Bible says it, so I'm just going to do it. Now, Know your Bible in context, because a man in my church got saved, and he was like, he was in the army, and he said, man, I'm going to start having to find squirrels or something to start sacrificing, because uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but the Bible says you're supposed to sacrifice animals, and he was about to go find, start finding some sheep or something to go start slitting throats. He said, they're going to kick me out of the army for this. And then he said, but then I got to the New Testament. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 5, verse 29, it says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. That word keep is to guard. You know what that means? It means to guard it in your life as in something that's very valuable and I will protect it with with my life. But it also means to guard it against outside attacks. When people want to criticize Bible truth, stand for Bible truth. Speak up for Bible truth. Know what he said not man or therefore the devil. Psalm 119, verse 11. I'm almost through here. It says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So we obey whether it makes sense or not. We say err on the side of caution. You err on the side of caution whether it makes sense or not. Because the deception is no excuse for disobedience. Listen, God's going to judge no matter what. Justice will be served no matter what. It's not going to work for you to stand before God or, or for God to, to look down from heaven like, like some preachers that have said <laughs> through the years that, that wound up having an affair and, and they thought that God would look the other way because they, they were building such a great ministry and God was blessing and they were blowing and growing, I mean, running, you know, a thousand people and they thought, man, God's just going to look the other way. God's not going to look away. He, does, he doesn't. He's not a respecter of persons. Because of what you can do or who you are, you can sing great, you can play great, you can do whatever, you can preach great. None of that really matters if you're disobeying God. God doesn't look the other way. Even if you say, man, I, I just, this, this person told me, and I thought that's what it said. I, I mean, they said the word of God said it. They said God said it. <clears throat> this prophet here could have said, God, why are you killing me? This older man of God told me. And God will say, what did I tell you? And you and I have everything that he's told mankind about what to do and not to do right here in this book. In 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 19, it says, So he went back with him, and he did eat bread in his house, and drank water. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, forasmuch as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back, and hast eaten bread, and drunk water in the place of, of the which the Lord did say to thee, eat no bread, and drink no water. Then he says, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. In other words, he's saying you ain't even going to make it back home alive. Now you can say, what in the world? This story makes no sense because the guy lies to him, and then he proclaims to him exactly what's going to happen to him, so this older prophet is right in this situation, and I tell you what, you, you can read some of this stuff and you look at it and say, like, I don't really understand what all is going on here, but I do understand one thing for sure. If the young man of God would have just obeyed the command he was given by God, he wouldn't have been in this mess. You see, the door is open for the devil's destruction. The devil attacks when weak, and disobedience put us at, puts us at our weakest in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 24, it says, And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion stood by, uh, by the carcass. You see, what, what the Bible is illustrating to you and I here is the lion is as the roaring lion seeketh about, roaming about seeking whom he may devour. So the lion in this illustration here is the devil himself. The ass, the donkey, represents disobedience because they're hard-headed animals. So you've got the disobedience of the donkey and the the young man who chose to ride the donkey in the wrong way, so to speak, and now he's riding this. And so what happens is when you disobey God, it can be little, it can be big, but either way, it is detrimental to you. Hey, I love burgers and fries, and I eat them every now and then, and probably every now and then is probably not the best thing for my heart. I know if I ate them every day they'd kill me but uh, even eating it every every once in a while is probably not the best thing for us but a lot of times we look at it as as Christians and we say well you know I don't do it that much I don't indulge in it that much I just this I just that and we make all these excuses and and try to limit how much we we do it as if it's not going to have an effect on us but it's going to have an effect on you whether you wind up dead on the side of the road so to speak hey you can die inside and still be alive physically because you've been in disobedience to God you can go through life discouraged down and Beaten and not getting back up and going right and getting right with God and not making things right with Him. You can continue to live this path where you're like a zombie of Christianity because of disobedience. But in this passage here, we see a lion standing there. It's a weird thing. When He comes back to get the body, the lion's still standing there. And the dead man's still there. And the donkey is still there when the old prophet comes to get the body. God's trying to tell us. That when we disobey God and there's repercussions and some destruction or some heartache. And look, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to warn somebody so that you don't go down this path and have that destruction and heartache. The devil's, the devil's coming after us. He's walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he's looking at each and every one of us. And he's wanting to destroy us. And, and we're, we're going through this life. And if we get on the, the donkey of disobedience, the devil will be able to stand there and say, Ha ha, got me another one. Look right here. The devil doesn't care how bad you stink as you're laying there. Disobedience doesn't care how bad you stink as you're laying there. But people walk by and they think, oh my goodness. Sure stinks over there. That lion did a number on that guy. Hey church, we all understand, right, that we're no contest for the devil. So why would we try to take him on without this? We need this book daily. We need to make a decision. I'm going to obey God even when it's not popular, even when it's not cool. I don't want to be part of the falling away. I want to be the one that stays in the way. I'd rather get to heaven for, and God say, you know what, you lived a little too righteously, a little too holy. You really think he's going to say that? No. Don't you want to hear "Well done, thou good and faithful servant"? Do you want to hear that? This is yes. This is no. Don't you want to hear that? Well, he said, "Well done." What was done? Obedience. But he doesn't even say "well obeyed." He said, "Well done." Because in a sense, it's like he said, I already told you that, and now you honor me with your continued obedience. In Revelation chapter three, verse eight through 10, and we're done here. It says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. You want the open door of blessings, the open door of ministering, God using you in a great and mighty way. For thou hast little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. You know, when we disobey him, we deny his name. We don't keep his word. He says, behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them come to worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Hey, you stand for what's right. You know what he's saying? He's saying those that said they were Jews. In other words, those that said they were Christians. I'm not saying they may, that those people that tell you things contrary to Scripture and claim to be Christians aren't saved. I'm saying they're not Christian. You understand the difference? You can be a saved, born-again child of God, but that doesn't mean you're a Christian, because a Christian is how you live your life. And so he's saying, I will, I will let them know that I have loved you. Why? Because you kept my commandments. And then he says in verse number 10, because... Yeah, I'm going to let them know that you love me, and they're going to come and worship at your feet. That's, that's weird. In verse number 10, it says, because thou hast kept the word of, the, of my patience. Then listen to this. I love it when Jesus tells me what he's going to do. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. You obey him in salvation, and you obey him in life. If you trust him for eternal life, trust him for this life. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to be obedient to you and to your word. Help each and every one of us to make a decision to be obedient to truth and to your word. May the word of God, may we allow the word of God to be quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow. And may it be a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. May we daily, boldly enter into the throne of grace. to find. Help in the time of need, may we walk with we, you, may we obey you. The time's going to come where it's going to be harder and harder to obey. And sometimes it may not even seem like it's, got, it's the right thing to do to obey, but when we see the truth of your word, help us to obey anyway. Help us to be obedient to truth, to righteousness, and most of all, to you. Father, if anybody here is not saved, I pray that you would show them their need for a Savior, that they'd be obedient to the truth of repentance through, by grace through faith and be born again by trusting Christ as their Savior. And then, Father, for those of us that are saved, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to be obedient. And then help us to graduate, so to speak, from obedience to not just living our lives seeking to obey you, but living our lives seeking to honor you in all we do. Father, I pray that your will and way was had with how how and what I said this evening. And I pray now that your will and way would be had in our hearts and in our lives as you spoke to our hearts, that we would be obedient to you and glorify you through our, our obedience. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.
1: It's not just about the manger where the baby lay. It's not all about the angels who sang for him that day. It's not all about the shepherds or the bright and shining star. It's not all about the wise men who traveled from afar. It's about the cross, it's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. about the good things in this life I've done It's not all about the treasures or the trophies that I've won It's not about the righteousness that I find within It's all about his precious blood that saved me from my sin It's about the cross It's about how Jesus Jesus came came to be born born once so so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross, the beginning of the story the ending that can save you and that's why we celebrate it's about the cross it's about my sin it's about how jesus came to be born once so we could be born again it's about god's son hail to us It's about how every drop of blood that flowed from him when it should have been me. It's about the stone that was rolled away. It's about the cross. 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 Yo-ho-ho.